screws up again. I don't know. <laughs> this is hands down the most technical difficulties we've ever had on an episode. Yeah. Brought to you by Broadback Ironworks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good good thing that all happened in under three minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the Day Baker episode, we had technical difficulty at one point in the episode. And it screwed the last 20 minutes of the recording. And yeah, I mean, Dave Baker can be a technical difficulty in and of himself. So. He he was such an easy interview because you just like ask him one question and let him go. And he just, <laughs> he just fucking yes. goes. Baker's got a bake, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> he is a high he's, energy guy. I was like, he's, wow. He's awesome. Very, very good friend of mine. Yep. Yeah. All righty. You hitting the music? Nope. We're just doing it. Let's We're just, just do doing it. We're just yeah, doing right. it. This is an extra episode anyways, so I'm going to put this one out as like a bonus for everybody this week for my nice. birthday because I just had my birthday. So ah, congratulations. congratulations. Happy birthday. Big old 3-8. Three 3-8. Eight. Three eight. Could it be You're part the same of a age bonus. as me. We're both 38? Yeah. Yeah. I, I turned like 38 almost, in March. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to die soon. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, for you that don't know, I'm Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Knives. We got Ryan Coakley of uh, Ryan Chadward Knifeworks. And today we have uh, Ben Abbott from Forged and Fire Legend. And, and uh, Ashgrove Forge Knives. Yeah, Ashgrove Knives. And uh, we, I looked up uh, an article. It was five things you need to know about Ben Abbott. And it said uh, he was an electrical engineer. I didn't, didn't know that before uh, you started yep. doing the knife baking stuff. So. Um, that also said that you were part of a, uh, Nobel prize, uh, project. True. You want to tell us? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I went to, uh, VCU here in Richmond, Virginia for electrical engineering. I actually, I have two degrees. I, my first degree is in anthropology. Hmm. So that was a four year degree in upstate New York in Binghamton. And then, um, I, I also call that my pre-bartending degree because that's what you can do with a bachelor's in anthropology. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, when I turned around 26, I started getting tired of like, you know, hair nuts and name tags. So I went back to school, uh, became an electronics engineer, moved out to California, worked at this, uh, worked at, on a project uh, at, at Caltech and uh, worked on that project for in total 18 years. But I started in 2000 and the idea of the whole project is to use laser light and mirror trickery to detect ripples in space-time. And what that means is that uh, when huge things very far away move very, very fast, they change the shape of space, right? It, it, it actually like shrinks and lengthens the space between you and I by huh. the tiniest little incy wincy quarter of the width of a proton but over four kilometers right so it's the tiny little wiggle but if you if you do it right and uh, you know you do like we did in this project you make very very precise measurements you can sit there with this laser just humming away doing nothing until space moves and when space moves it changes the distance between the two mirrors on that your laser is bouncing around on. And all of a sudden the, the laser light that used to be stored in these cavities starts to dump out and you have a little photo detector sitting there waiting. And what happens is 
if the if the space-time movement is big enough, you see this little wiggle on your computer screen, and after a lot of crunching of numbers and math and stuff, you you say, "Hey, there there it was." And I worked on this project for fifteen years, and we saw nothing, like not even a thing. And then after fifteen years, we first we saw a very first detection. We saw two in-spiraling binary uh, black holes, super like millions of light years away, outside of our own galaxy, like way out there. And they orbited each other until they crashed into each other, and they spat out this big space-time ripple. It was amazing nobody believed it in the beginning they're like ah this you know your data is corrupted some of the truck drove by or whatever you know because you can shake these mirrors all sorts of different ways and we tried our best to keep everything isolated and, and what have you and we had two different um observatories one in hanford washington one in livingston louisiana so it's like the idea that you could have the same thing happen to both of those at the same time like correlated to the microsecond is unheard of unless it actually did come from outer space. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, we saw this cool thing, and it was a a uh, an event that's predicted, or, or the, the the phenomenon was predicted by Einstein, almost to the year, or maybe to the year, almost to the month, a hundred years before we found it. So, nineteen fifteen, Einstein's like this this thing, and then twenty fifteen, we're like we saw this thing. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. Wow. And then the, the two guys that really thought it up in the beginning ended up getting a Nobel Prize in physics. And it was a, a huge deal. Very Interesting. Cool. I've always been very interested with Einstein and Nikolai Tesla. Mm-hmm. And uh, does maybe you could touch on it, being that you're obviously a super genius as well. They both had this thing that people around them said that they would do where they would just sit in their offices for hours and hours and hours on end and just stare off into space. And that was where <laughs> they that was where they said Einstein came up with his best theories. Yeah. You've you yeah. heard of Einstein, Tesla, morons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you're that brilliant as as they were, who's going to teach you? Right. Who's going to come up with your ideas for you? you? You have to be like this person who just gets it. You know, you you read a bunch of papers and you bring together the best knowledge of your time. You you stand on the, the shoulders of the tallest dude you, you can meet and then you just become a little bit bigger. And it's just, you know, that that's I think that for me that the idea of genius isn't that you just wake up one day and you have this idea. It's that you hear all these different ideas and you have the spark to take something from metal casting and something from trees and something from, I don't even know, like baby formula and be like, wait a minute. What if I put these three things together? Wouldn't that be awesome? And everyone's like, what what the hell are you talking about? But that's, I think where super genius gets its, its legs is just the ability to take all this, information that seems unrelated and turn it into something amazing. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. The the engineering fields are something that's always made me really excited. Like I'm a mechanical engineer, so trucks and stuff like that have 
my grandpa was a semi driver and I rode with him a whole bunch and worked for Navistar. They made international truck or make international branded truck semis and IC school buses and stuff and worked on their test and validation lab. And it was just so cool to like, uh, all right, we need to pull on this chair with 10,000 pounds. How are we going to do that? So, um, yeah. it was really cool. It, it's yeah. a, um, it's a mindset to engineering. You know, it changes the way you look at anything. Like you, yeah. you turn on the, the faucet outside and water doesn't come out the other end of your hose. So you're like, all right, wonder why that is. So you start, you get into troubleshooting mode. You're like, where does the water happen? It's coming out of the faucet, but it's not coming out of the hose. Oh, because the hose isn't attached to the faucet at that end. You know, like you work mm-hmm. backwards and, and figure out, you know, and you can do that with almost anything in your life. It's, it's, yeah. it's an amazing mindset to be able to troubleshoot and just kind of approach a problem in a logical manner. That's yeah, my, my whole life. I'm a, I'm a mechanic mechanic. I'm at yeah, the yeah. tail end of you guys where you guys create something. And then when it breaks 10 years later, I'm the guy that has to fix it. That's never seen one before. Yeah. And, I wouldn't um, say the tail end at all. Like any engineer drives a truck or a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're my, like right there, man. We need you. Yeah, my, my wife. Well, it's always the same com- thing, right? I mean, you know, if, if you're like, all right, your, your car doesn't turn over. It's fuel error spark. There's one of those three things isn't happening, right? And so I can smell that the fuel. Okay, so it's now air or spark. Where, mm-hmm. Where's the problem now? You know, and then you can just work your way backwards and, and figure it all out. Yep. Yeah. My wife always complains that I'm like overly pessimistic. I'm like, my, my engineering job has like trained me for that. Cause like working on engines and different things, it's like all the stuff I work on doesn't look for ways to succeed. It only looks for ways to fail. So I'm always yeah. like, <laughs> sure. whatever I'm doing, I'm always looking for the way it doesn't work instead of, uh, yeah. to make sure that it doesn't, that doesn't work way doesn't happen. Yeah. My, so. my wife says that I'm sometimes really childish. I told her to get out of my fort. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that was Brian House's uh, uh, dad joke on this past week's episode. He said uh, his wife was wanted to talk to him about getting divorced, but unfortunately she didn't have a chance because she didn't know the password to her, the treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so. What do they say? We never grow up. We just grow old. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds you about have, right. You have, you have adult money. You're unsupervised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is where all my adult money went. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, uh, what do you want to talk about first? I, I, I'm a, obviously a fan of the show, so I, I put together some would you rathers if uh, to make up for some of Noah's stuff, if you want to jump into some of those. Before okay, you yeah. start with that, Kyle, I feel it's become a tradition now especially with us bringing up space and all I've had, you're the third fortune fire host that we've had on this show. We had Jason Knight on then Dave Baker and now you, and I've asked them all how they feel about aliens. Cause I <laughs> love the lore and just the ridiculousness sometimes. And just like finding out what other people think about aliens. Do you think the show or the, no, leg- legitimate extraterrestrials. Like, do you believe they're real? Do you believe Jason Knight said that they're multidimensional beings? Uh, Dave Baker said that they're ridiculous and he ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I'm not a fan of the probing. It still hurts. But... <laughs> uh, no, I mean, 
I, I think that's there are two separate questions there. One, do I believe that there is any life outside of the life we know on, on planet Earth? I think that the possibility that there isn't is infinitesimally small. So I, I would guarantee you there's more life outside of the Earth. And like we're, we're not that fucking special. I mean, we're really not that as much as we'd like to be proud and think that we're the only ones that do anything. It's not the truth. Um, do I think that extraterrestrials have visited planet Earth, like are zooming around in, in little uh, Jetsons saucers? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I yeah, I, I'm. I have a similar feeling that I actually heard um, Stephen Hawking once said is if some civilization was so far advanced that they could travel light years away in a ship we can't detect and zoom around and look at us from space, they would not give one rat's ass about what we thought about stuff. They would smush us like ants. You like there's, I mean, you look at an ant and it's like carrying a little piece of sugar. It's like, I got to get this back to the ant nest. Oh, otherwise the queen will die. And you're like, oh, here comes the thumb. I don't care. Like zero care what that ant cares about. And I think that that would be a very similar approach that aliens would have. They wouldn't speak our language. They wouldn't necessarily speak the way we speak. You know, I mean, look at any other species on the planet. They have very complex communicational skills. We don't know what they're talking about. Like, whatever, you know, dolphin it's safe true. tuna. That's cool if you're a dolphin, not if you're a tuna. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, you know, what, what, what would they care? Like, they see fresh water, they see blowing breezes and nice sunsets, and a bunch of people that are in their way. Whoops. I like that perspective. I do. I hate that perspective, <laughs> but whatever. And I'm, I'm similarly scared of AI. Yep. Mexico- AI is more terrifying for me than aliens are. Because, because you know it exists. <laughs> it exists. For one, we know for a fact it exists. And for two, you would hope that some sort of sentient life would have some sort of morality that they live around. AI has no morality. It is. Yeah. It, ha- it scares it, the bejesus out of me. Yeah. yeah. And I Mexico. don't get the people that are like, let's do more of this. Because if we don't, someone else will. Or how about nobody does it? How about that? <laughs> yeah. One of the things I thought was crazy was Mexico was showing off their like mummified alien uh, that they had. The paper mache alien. If you haven't seen pictures of that, but no, yeah, the, no. they have a paper mache alien. They uh, look they, like paper mache. <laughs> it kind of looks like paper mache, but it's yeah, it looks like some of the stereotypical alien pictures and stuff like that, like real small and. Uh, big head, eyes, and stuff. So, I don't Good know. Stuff. Yeah, uh, that's that's the other trick, right? Like, if there really were aliens that are visiting the Earth, they wouldn't just visit like the powers that are part of like the big cabal of Western civilization. They'd also end up in rinky-dink little countries where they the country would be like, "We got one. Everyone <laughs> come visit. A million dollars a piece." Yeah. Like, uh, yeah one of the things is like uh if one of the interesting ones was somebody said was if aliens did come and they came to meet you and they said take us to your leader who would you take them to like i wouldn't I'd take them home be like we're your leader yeah oh nice picture yeah, it's like paper mache it's 
totally E.T. Like, <laughs> on a diet. That is yeah. awesome. Like they saw this movie like, we got this. <laughs> yeah, we got it. It's We're interesting. We print an alien. Like that, they came out with that right after our Congress had those hearings where the guy said they had non-human biologics. Yeah. It was a very vague statement. Like, yeah, what they have it, a dog. Right, I was just going to say that. They I could have, have found non-human Russian... biologics living in my house. I feed, them, I feed her food every day. Yeah. <laughs> what a vague way to put it. But yeah. we yeah. digress. I just had to bring it up. It's kind of like a tradition now. Totally. And I think, it, I think it stems because... Forge and Fire is on the History Channel, mm-hmm. and that's like the two shows on the History Channel now is Ancient Aliens and Forged and Fire. Yeah, don't forget Oak Island, brother. Don't forget Oak Island oh, as much as I want to. They found I'm, it. I'm close <laughs> yeah. to Oak Island. I'm sure they did. That's why they shut the show down. Yeah, yeah. They they yep. found. I forget how many how much treasure they found, but they found the the thing. What they found it? Yeah, it was the no latest season. Yeah, no way. Yeah, they found yeah, Sasquatch. They, they found the treasure of Oak Island. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Ain't that a bummer? Was, the producers was it are worth like, it? Yeah, damn it. Damn <laughs> it. Damn it. That for 30, 30 spoiler, episodes. I guess spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, we're going to milk that show for 15 years. Yeah, right? Yeah. Just keep moving the treasure around. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they did find it, I wonder if it was worth all the production costs. Well, uh, they, they sold commercials, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, where was it? The Michigan brothers unearthed a 220 year old treasure. Uh, that's like the stuff dreams are made of 220 year old. Yeah. 220 years old. Um, they dug down 90 feet into the, the logs and they found it. it was first reported in 1862 that the treasure, where did it say how much it was? Do not seek the treasure. Yeah. <laughs> we thought you was a frog. Yeah. Anyway. My brother. This, uh, this, this is bad for audio, but. Where are he? He loves metal detecting. Okay. And I think that's like a wet dream of his is to just like stumble on like a cache of coins that somebody buried 200 years ago, you know? Yeah. Well, he should go to England. They're everywhere. Yeah. I'm in New England, so they're pretty prominent yeah. here. As far New as like points. the U- U.S. is concerned, he's found yeah. some old ones, 1600s, 1700s, but it's always like a single coin. You know, it's never like a jar of gold. Yeah. There was some guy that found like a thousand gold bars or something from World War Two that had been hidden in a vault that I saw Joseph a story Smith of. found two gold tablets in upstate New York, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. We could have bring him on to, to enlighten us on that because he is Mormon. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. All righty. Uh, do we want to do some Would You Rather? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so uh, one of Noah's shticks is Would You Rather? I'm a fan of the show. So I, uh, when uh, Ryan asked me to come on, I immediately started putting together some Would You Rather things. So uh, would you rather have uh, eyes that can zoom in like a microscope or a third arm? Hmm. How adept is the third arm? Like, like a like a regular arm, just like yeah. like an arm you have now, but stuck somewhere else on your body. Like a dominant hand or a non-dominant hand? Because a like non-dominant exactly where on my body though? <laughs> well, yeah, that was so a I could like 
that be was going to work be and use my third arm at the same time. That was going to be the the follow up question if you were to pick the arm. <laughs> I would want, yeah, definitely a non dominant one that is like has no feeling and nail polish. Um, <laughs> no, I'd, I'd take the I'd take the eyes. Yeah. yeah. The eyes have it, yeah. You'd be able I to agree. see all those imperfections in your knives. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't be imperfections if I could see them. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So robotic arms that don't get tired during hand sanding or your body's ability to keep you cool next to the forge without sweating. So I just got a rotary platen from Broadback Ironworks. So I don't do much hand sanding anymore. I'll go cool next to the forge. <laughs> All right. What about you, Ryan? Um, I don't forge them stock removal. Okay. So I kind of, I kind of got to go with the arms. Yeah. I'd go with the arms too. Uh, work in an air conditioned shop or a heated shop. One or the other. That's heated. fun. That's it fun gets cold I'm as hearing, fuck here. <laughs> yeah. I'm here in Richmond, Virginia and it gets like, Put all your clothes on and you still see your breath in the winter and sweat till you look like a sultana in the summer. Whew, air conditioned or heated? I go with air conditioned because okay. I, I don't like sweating on the stuff I'm working on and like getting it all rusty. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go I can with always he- light the forge, I guess. I'd go with heated because Chicago, we get more cold than we do hot. Yeah, we're. Our leaves are changing already up here. Yeah. All right. Have Jason Knight's beard or David Baker's mustache? I'm kind of cool with my own facial hair, actually. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You and I kind of have the same thing going on. Yeah. All three of us do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean like in a a Kiro cabinet or on my face? On your face. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass. That's a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go All with right. Dave Baker's mustache. All right. All right. It's got the cur- the curly cues. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'd love to have Jason Knight's beard, but anytime that I grow like my beard longer than this, like my full face breast braider doesn't seal very well. Yeah. So I try to keep it pretty short. Uh or you order five things you don't need from Maritime Knife Supply, or you always forget the one thing you're needing from Maritime. When you would, order uh, supplies for knife baking. Would, would I rather have stuff I don't need versus the thing I do need? Yeah. Is that the, not the question? I'll, I'll yeah. take the extraneous stuff. I'll figure out <laughs> a, a thing to do with it. Yeah, eventually I'll get the right thing. I thought yeah, that was an no. interesting one. It was somebody said, uh, if you go to the grocery store, you buy 10 things you don't want to eat uh, versus the one thing you really went to the grocery store for. But <laughs> I wanted to try to make it more knife. Yeah. yeah. Related, I so. mean, uh, was it, there's an onion article about like the guy who found a, a reason to use that one, two by four he's been keeping for like the last 15 <laughs> years or whatever. Like it's a, a, yeah. a newspaper, like, Man yeah. uses two by four. He's been saving for 12 years or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a bunch of like big plastic, like containers. That's like all the off cuts and stuff from wood blocks and stuff. It's like, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to make some, uh, some handles for fire steels or some beads or something. I, I think that there's a anything. t-shirt in there somewhere. Like 
if you're a knife maker, you're by definition cannot be a hoarder. Like it, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be used somehow. You're going to figure it out. Like your ex-wife's wedding dress, tear that up, make my card out of it. You know, you can figure it out. Yeah. I've Send found Greg Hansen as a mechanic, every mechanic I've ever worked with, including myself hoarded something. So like I save old saw chains. No idea. Chainsaw why. chains? I, yeah, I got buckets full. My coworkers save spark plugs. I had another spark guy that plugs. Yeah, well, he would you save, can get the platinum out of them. Well, Think we work that. on we work on small engines. There's no platinum in our plugs. Those are only automotive plugs. Then he's just an idiot. So he's saving them for nothing. <laughs> and then we had another guy that would save old lawnmower belts. Did he say why belts. he was saving the the spark plugs, the yeah. belts or the blades, the, the belts. He would save old lawnmower belts. I'm like, what are you doing? You never know, man. Might come across one that needs this belt. I'm like, Dude. I do know, man. They're like five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. Now, a chainsaw chain. You could throw that in a canister and make a blade out of it. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't could. do that I, with belts. Why? I, why, are, why are you specifically saving them, Ryan? The chainsaw chains. Mm-hmm. Don't ask. I think it, it started when I started making knives, but I don't forge, so I've never had a way to make them into blade steel. So they just accumulate. And there was a while there where I had so much of it that I was selling it on eBay in flat rate boxes. Like you buy a medium flat rate box packed, right, full of saw chain. Huh. And you should, my, sounds like you should. Get, sounds like you should make some tube and go up and see was, pickle. Who was buying that? Who was buying a know. flat rate box full of saw chain? Lots of people. They, I sold a ton of them. Oh. <laughs> Six, 60 bucks. 60 There's bucks one board every minute. Right? Box. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will buy anything. There used That's to be the, a show on the History Channel like called Oddities or something like that. And oh, they would. Show. And there was somebody that brought in like a gallon jar full of like fingernail and toenail trimmings. And they bought it for like 200 bucks or something like that. And they said they sold it for like a thousand. What the fuck? Makes me feel a little queasy. (laughs) Gross. If you've ever gone on eBay and looked in miscellaneous. That sounds like a freaking rabbit hole. I just do not want to deal with. Uh, One guy sold the dead rose for a thousand bucks. There was people selling farts and jars, all kinds of stuff. I saw a dude selling a wedding dress way back in the day. It's like his ex-wife's wedding dress, and it was him in the dress, and he was a big dude, and she, I guess, was a small girl because he, he was like bulking out of his dress. He like totally masked off his face, you know, so it's like scrambled or whatever, so you can't see his face, and he's just hulking out of this thing. But he's his commentary was so amazingly humorous that it like got bid up to to you know numbers unknown before. He's like. Blah blah blah. You know, I I might trade it for a, a pair of Seahawks tickets or something. And somebody's <laughs> like, "What part of Texas are you from?" He's like, "Uh, Seattle, Texas." <laughs> if you were if if you were um, you know educated in the the public schools of America, you might know that city or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty freaking hilarious. The whole thing. All right. So, uh, would you rather have a personal chef or a a cleaning crew for your shop? cleaning crew damn that's hard i like to eat though yeah and i don't i don't know if you've ever seen me compete on the show i'm not much one for 
cleaning my workspace. <laughs> hmm. Cleaning crew for the shop. I've gone with chef on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd go for a chef too. My boys seem to love to clean my, my shop. So they just give them the shop back and they like suck everything <laughs> up. That is lucky. Who, my boy doesn't se- clean my shop. They're seven. So I don't know how much longer that's going to last. We'll see. Yeah. My boy's uh, just about to turn three. So he's not interested in cleaning it yet. Yeah. You got to train them, train them young. Oh, mine are 16 and 17. They don't have any time for my shit. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Uh, Would you rather have your phone battery always full or a full gas tank in your car? Gas tank. Yeah. I mean, it's a a topical question for me because my phone battery, like I have an iPhone 7. I don't know if y'all were born yet when 7s came out, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, it's ridiculous like i at 10 o'clock in the morning i look at my phone it's like you have 20 percent charge I'm like this is stupid so i'm like constantly charging it in my truck charging it everywhere but i'm going with gas tank yeah, F gas phone. Look, yeah i'd rather the, drive somewhere the prices yeah. these days i mean it's way more cost effective to have a full gas tank than a full battery yeah because i can charge the phone in my truck so, yeah aha, there you go that. As you found, as you found, the, found the loophole. Yeah. That's what <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Would you would you rather have a full time social media helper or someone to answer all your emails slash order knife supplies for you? Oh, social media. Oh my god, that would be so amazing. Emails I just don't even answer. I don't care. But <laughs> yeah, social media would be great. Yeah. I my buddy Brent gets on me all the time. Is like, let's be honest. He actually said this. This is almost a direct quote. He said, let's be honest. Your social media presence sucks. <laughs> like, what? I have 100,000 followers on Instagram. It's like, yeah, but you don't put anything up. So who the hell cares? Oh. <laughs> and there's yeah. that. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. I think Me I too. would like that. But then you'd also have somebody like in your shop with you. And I don't know if I'd like that. But yeah. he. So my buddy Brent has that person and they come and they're like hey you should post something and they come and they're like just do the thing i'm gonna take a picture we'll pop it on on social just keep yourself wrong he he's his business puts something on social media four times a week okay and it's topical and it's like it's engaging yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh would you rather or uh, if you were to go back in time and study with someone, would you, or and your choices were Bob Loveless or Bill Moran, which would you pick? I think Loveless. Uh, I, I I had Moran's VHS tape a long, long time ago, and uh, I, I, yeah, he was a pioneer, but he wasn't. I mean, it's probably going to sound irreverent, but his methodology wasn't very scientific right okay. and so like his damascus was oh one and mild steel so you end up with a damascus blade that's oh half right and it's like 0.5 percent carbon it's not going to hold an edge very long it doesn't really have a very bold pattern like oh one goes pretty dark but mild steel is not like 15 and 20 or l6 it doesn't have any nickel in it so yeah i think loveless 
His, his stuff is just clean as hell. I'd love to learn how to be that clean. Yeah. And I remember talking with people that knew him and he would like buy two inch uh, shop rolls and they would like cut and tape, tape their own belts and stuff like having the stuff that we have now. It's like those guys, like you see some of Loveless stuff and I just can't believe how, how precise it is with the the tools that they had back then. It's not anything here like we have today. I mean, if you hear uh, interviews with like Pink Floyd, right, and and how they came up with some of their music, that the, I, I remember seeing one of them like we ha- we got this new synthesizer. No one's seen one before; it's brand new. So we're like, da We recorded that and we sped it up, and now it's like, and that was the beginning of like uh, breathe or whatever, and. Nowadays, kids can just do that on the computer. You know, like these were innovations that were amazing, and people still emulate it now with easier tools. Like you're saying, like I buy belts, I throw them on my grinder. You know, I've I've built a two by seventy two grinder myself. I don't use it anymore. Nowhere near as good as the stuff I can buy now. I built forges. I don't do that anymore. I buy forges. You know, like why would I waste my time doing this stuff where people have figured that stuff out and it's just much better. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, Ben reminded me of uh, the Jim Morrison quote. There was an interview where he was talking about in the future, people will have multiple cassettes on one machine and they'll be able to sample from each cassette and play them together. He, he didn't have the technical vision to envision MP3s and digital and downloading, but he was on, he was on the right path to what music is now. He was a, What's that with the um, the old mixing thing? It was like a six track or something like that, where you can mix in differently, put in the drums, yeah. put in the vo- vocals, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like just like now, Zencaster records three different audio files for us, and you can, if somebody's, you can move it around or do whatever you need to. Oh, thank God! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the last one I have is uh, you can spend a day in Jay Nielsen's shop. David Baker's shop or Doug Markaida's training studio? Where are you going? I'd go to Doug's. I've been in Baker's shop. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I've seen Jay's shop. I know what, I know what his shop is all about. Um, I've talked to Doug about training with him a little bit. Um, I, I, I respect his his martial art. It's, it's different than what you see on uh, what he does on Fortune Fire. Like his, his martial art is pretty flat-footed and, and very squared any fighting style i've ever done is very angled and angle footed and i move a lot so I'd, I'd be interested to see how he's able to do to be as effective as he is without running around you know like i think that would be a lot of fun very cool are you into fighting ben i used to do uh and i hope to do soon again um sca sword fighting which is a a, a very extraordinarily aerobic and uh, mentally focusing kind of martial art. It's essentially clubbing people with sticks. You're dressed in armor, you know, so you don't get hurt too badly. But um, it's it's very intricate kind of uh, fighting style. And it, oh. it translates really well into boxing and all sorts of other things. And, you know, once you, once you know where not to stand, you know, so you don't get hit real hard, then you can 
attack your, you know, launch an attack from from there. It's it's a useful kind of thing to, to know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big MMA fan, so anybody who I run across that might possibly be an MMA fan, I try and goat them into a conversation. Because so, I don't get <laughs> my, to talk my, about it much. My brother uh, was in an airport and met Fedor, and he's like, hey, can I get a picture with you? So they're standing there, and he was telling me that in, in the back of his head, he's thinking, while they're taking this picture, if I just quickly backhanded him to the nuts, I could say that I, like, beat up Fedor. <laughs> and he didn't, obviously. For but, the later, the listeners that don't know, he's talking about Fedor Emelianenko, who is regarded as the heavyweight goat of all time. He's he was undefeated for like twelve years straight, yep. and like back in the day, fighting in freak shows over in Japan because they love a freak show in Japan. So he who fought. Doesn't? I think the guy's name was Hong Mong Hongman Choi or something like that. The guy's like seven foot four. He's just like this humongous Chinese guy. Fedor beat the shit out of him. He was yeah. the first MMA fighter that I started following, and it was like back in the day on YouTube. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. He got to meet Fedor. Yeah. He's like a robot. <laughs> he doesn't show emotion at all. He's just nah. stone-faced Russian guy. Did you ever hear of a guy, Jake O'Brien? He was a, or a UFC fighter, did like, I guess he had 19 fights. Uh, he was the same age as me. He went to a high school near me and I was going to try to wrestle at Purdue. And they said, yeah, we don't need you to wrestle at Purdue. We got Jake O'Brien. He's coming. And then he ended up going to the UFC after like his sophomore year. And uh, yeah, he was uh, apparently pretty good. He had 15 wins, seven by knockout. It says here on his thing. Nice. So. I'm not familiar. Wrestlers tend to dominate. Um, there's more wrestler wrestling background champions than any other discipline. Yeah. He was a three-time state champion in at two fifteen for wrestling. And as freshman year, the top four people at two fifteen were in his like sectional. So two of them didn't even get to go to state that year. And he oh, nice. lost as a freshman, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was totally dominant. He was a, a good guy too. We always like talking to him. Yeah, so, it's, it's, wrestlers are like the the Gracie Jiu Jitsu guys. They did a, quite a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guys and yeah, the Gracie family's still going. They got some like grandsons or nephews or something that are in the UFC right now. They're still wow. still going. Huh. Um, so, what's Ben Abbott do to wind down when when you're not in the shop and you're not working on TV shows? And you're not taking care of the little ones. What what does Ben Abbott do for a treat yourself day? A treat myself day. That's a good idea. I should have one of those. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like I I uh, in a couple of days on October first, I'm going to celebrate my first uh, year anniversary with my new wife, uh, and. Just at the end of the day, my favorite thing to do is to sit with her, hear about her day, watch some Netflix and chill. And I, it's just, it's super easy. Uh, I, I do enjoy I, where we live in Richmond. There's a lot of amazing restaurants and bars and, and that kind of stuff. And I, you know, it, it was, we do a thing um, as much as we can on, on Monday nights. We do a, a, a date night and the, the two of us, 
leave Alden here with a babysitter and we go, we get to sit at the bar, which is ridiculous. Like, we have a kid. We don't sit at the bar, but we do <laughs> on date night, you know, we just find random places. We, we, uh, we like to get into shenanigans. Uh, we, we ended up going into this goth bar one night and it was, we didn't know what the heck was going on. We're just like, Hey, there's a bar. Music is playing. Let's go in. And I have this amazing picture. Heather is in like this, uh, light Brown fur jacket. And, Everyone else in the bar is dressed in black, and the, like the <laughs> lights are shining at us. It's all like purple lights, and everyone's got like black lipstick and nail polish and whatever. And she's just this shining vision of brightness in the middle of this sea of darkness. But it was just so much fun. So anyway, so yeah, some of my nights is Netflix and chill, and some just go out with my wife and and have a thing. What kind of shows do you like to watch? Yeah, you like cartoons. Uh, yeah, mostly cartoon. No, um, so let's see. We watch uh, I Zombie, which is That's a, a fun, good one. Yeah, uh, we watch Shadow and Bone. We watch Great British Baking Show. <laughs> we watch uh, Nailed It. We watch. Have you ever seen Nailed It? Yeah, uh-huh. That's a good right. show. If, if, <laughs> if you liked, uh, if you liked I Zombie, have you ever watched What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. show. Yeah, New York that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Laws though uh, cracks me up. Yeah. Let's see. What else did we do? I don't know. Stuff like that ish, you know. And, and we'll we'll find them every now and then. We'll have enough time because our our kid. We like to get up late, so we we don't generally put Alden to bed too early. So we used to put him in bed like eight o'clock, and that became like well maybe eight thirty, and now it's more like nine ish, nine thirty something. But then, you know, it's, it's 9.30. How late are we going to stay up so that we can get up with him when he's up at, you know, crack of 7 or 8 or whatever he's crying at? So every now and then we get this perfect storm where Alden's in bed. We're awake enough to be cognizant. And we have about two hours to kill. At that point, we put on a feature-length film. <laughs> nice. My my wife has been on the uh the Virgin River uh show that's on Netflix. I'm so sorry like, uh, to hear that. Oh, rom rom com. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh the the only redeeming value to that is it's like filmed in one of like the most beautiful like sections of tech or of california i believe and some of the like I, river and nature shots and stuff are just absolutely beautiful yeah so so uh, heather and i are in the in the mindset to buy a house and we went down to there's a house for sale in a place in virginia called amelia county we it's about an hour from here so we drove out there it's where we were when when we were texting y'all because we're on our way back here but um it's gorgeous the whole area is gorgeous it's weird, weird people, gorgeous countryside. And we never actually found the house because it's like <laughs> set back and it said no trespassing. And you're like, we weren't, we didn't bring a realtor with us. So we weren't like actively trying to buy this place. But it, it was, uh, it was an interesting drive, but it was, it was just different. Like you cross, I don't know, four or five streams on the way there, you know, and like it's bucolic and, and, 
the uh, that's like hilly. You know, there's not a lot of in eastern, well, central Virginia where I live. It's not very hilly. There's there's hills, but it's not super hilly. And I have a farm down in in Whitestone, right next door to where Dave Baker bought his farm, and that's just flat, man. It's just absolutely flat stuff. Big trees, flat. Um, but this was different, rolling hills and stuff. It was really beautiful. Nice. I've been to Virginia. It's a very nice climate down there compared oh, yeah. to Maine. Maine, <laughs> we get we get one month of summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's 10, 11 months of preparing for and dealing with winter. Yep. The, yep. the hurricane was supposed to be hitting up near you now, right? We got right. It, it came through a little earlier. Okay. Uh, it came through us a little earlier. It was rainy yesterday. Yeah, it wasn't nothing. It was just rain. Okay. Yeah. I ain't scared. Everybody was buying gas and water, and I'm like, meh, I'm not worried. Well, they said it was, like, the, the highest wind speed they had recorded so far, so if it actually, like, kept the power up, it was potentially going to be pretty devastating, but apparently there was a big uh, storm that went through the Midwest that kind of, like, had cold air that pushed it, kept it more out to sea than it was originally projecting to. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm about an hour inland from the coast. Okay. So stuff gets dissipated usually before it hits me. Yeah, you don't have to be worried about any storm surge or anything. No. Nothing like that. There's no big trees around my house. Speaking of storms and like end of the words end of the world stuff. What was y'all's favorite thing about the pandemic? Uh, I have a very unpopular viewpoint. Because I benefited greatly from the pandemic. Because right. my my job is essential. Mm-hmm. If anything, if anything, I got more work. And my wife was laid off and got all these fat unemployment checks from the government. Mm-hmm. So for so, us, it was like we got to catch up on all the bills we were behind on. We bought a house. Like we just we we. So put, for you, that your favorite thing was that you you came out okay. You made you made some money on it. We did, and I, I'm an in, I'm an extreme introvert, so not going out in public is nothing to that bothers me. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, you can't go to the store." I'm like, "Bummer." <laughs> yeah, you know. All right, Kyle. Um, uh, so I was essential too in my test job, so we were uh, required to be in there every day. And my wife is a teacher. So, uh, she was having to teach from home and stuff like that with our two kids. It was, uh, pretty hard, but I think the, my favorite thing that came out of the pandemic is just like, um, everybody having like to go stuff. So if you wanted food and you didn't want to go to the restaurant, cause with little kids, it's a terrible situation sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like everywhere had takeout and then like some of the telehealth stuff with the medical, like your doctor, it's like, I don't want to take off time to come in and see you. Can we just do like a video chat mm-hmm. thing? And uh, that stuff I think has been like really beneficial that something like that, it took something like that for them to open up like HIPAA and stuff to be open to something like that. Yeah. So my favorite thing, how wrong preppers were. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're going to have six months of MREs. Good. This last two years. Go. Like, we <laughs> ate all of our our bucketed grain. Oh, like it was just amazing. Like that, how wrong you 
could have thought that things were going to go. No prepper I know has a six-year supply of toilet paper. Like, yeah. when did that become the the critical linchpin of, of society? Yeah. You know, it was just amazing how wrong everyone had it thought out. Like when the when the shit hits the fan, I've got my <laughs> AR, I got my bucket of grain. Great. What are you going to wipe your ass with? Like I, I did, I did think that is funny. I, I think like, um, you think about your grandparents and stuff going through the depression and how they would like keep random stuff. Right. And reuse it a whole bunch of time. My grandma, it was, uh, she would always collect all the wrapping paper from gifts at Christmas and then try to reuse it the next year. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think like all of us are going to always have like more toilet paper than we ever need. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Like two, two is one, one is none. Like I I have threes for me toilet paper in the the attic, you know, like that's never happened to me again. That (laughs) blew my mind that that was the one thing that ran out. Yeah. That everybody was panic buying. It wasn't water. It wasn't flour. It wasn't food. It was TP. Like, yeah, people- I mean, I don't know what it's like in Maine. It, here in Richmond, when there's a storm coming, everyone buys bread and milk. Mm-hmm. You can't find bread and milk. Like, oh, there's a storm coming. Storm again in 2023. Everyone buy bread and milk. No one's r- making a run on toilet paper. No one's buying yeah. pallets of toilet paper. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I when does the storm come in here like a nor'easter where we're going to be in for a couple days because we get snowed in? I, I buy chips and soda. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's good. You know, it's going to pass. You know, yeah. nothing like no emergency we face these days is permanent anymore. It's just, yeah, I mean, you know, the, I think the pandemic was the closest you get, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. years. Yeah, and that was a very disruptive thing for two years yeah it really yep. was and what are your plans for two years i used to be a cook and so i have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry and i genuinely felt bad because they got screwed oh yeah and here i am i'm paying off all my back bills everything i've ever been behind on we were paying off and my buddies are like i'm fucking unemployed or you know i have to bartend behind a piece of plexiglass like how's that gonna work mm-hmm. just Show them the drink and drink it. Yeah. So you want to <laughs> My, sniff it? <laughs> performance art. Yeah. yeah. We use the pandemic to make a, a really big garden here. So my wife loves to do that. So we've got yeah. a greenhouse and raised beds and everything. She's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, it, at that time was really um, skewed towards people that had land. You know, it, if you live in an apartment, you're, you're effed, man. That, that, that sucks. Like, there's only yeah. so much washing of delivered Triscuit boxes you can do before you just lose your freaking mind. Yeah. But, yeah. But if you have land, you go out and listen to the birdies sing and plant a garden and, you know, mm-hmm. make your own yeah. Triscuits or whatever. And yeah. for me here, it, was, it wasn't really that dire. I mean, Kyle and I were just talking before you popped on about, like, Maine only has one area code for the whole state. It's 207 like the population's so low everybody's spread out nobody here was i mean you had a few people who took it upon themselves to feel like a superiority complex or whatever to shit on people who weren't doing what they thought you should do that's how you get cholera 
Yeah, but, but here, <laughs> I, the, the closest thing to a legit natural disaster I've ever encountered in my life was in 1998, we had an ice storm. And it was the ice storm of 98. It's like a legendary. Oh, yeah. Like, 1980. Lost, like, when I was a kid, there was a huge ice storm. It like put trees down, like the telephone poles just gave up. They were just yeah, tired. We didn't, we didn't have power for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, everything was frozen. Everything was covered in inches of ice. Like trees yep. were breaking. We lost, I think they said like 60% of Maine's woods, the trees broke. Yep. Like you just like go walking in the woods and there's just trees down everywhere. I learned what a kerosene probably... heater was. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And a guy my mom was dating at the time, we went and stayed with him because his whole house ran off propane. So we didn't nice. need power. Like uh, the hot propane water accessories. Was... Yeah. <laughs> the hot water, the heat, everything was propane. Dang it, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that show. <laughs> it's I, I love cartoons. Like uh yeah. funny adult cartoons like that. South Park's the best show ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... that was part of the reason Ryan asked you about cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Just to see if we were on the same page. Yeah, yeah. See, my wife watches nothing but like informative murder stuff. Like women kill <laughs> like spouses killing their husbands and getting away <laughs> no, with exactly. it. My wife was on uh <laughs> a show. She was on one of those shows. She was on like um, Wives That Kill or something like that. And it's when she was, obviously when she was younger, right? It's not when she was older. Um, but yeah, it, it, she, and it was, it's really cool. Like you watch her on this show and they're like, all right, so you just killed your husband, but you're going to get a haircut and we need you to act like you're having fun. Like flip your hair. Just have like, and, and they're like, and hours after they found the body, she went and got a haircut. <laughs> so she was doing the reenactment stuff yeah 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 she yeah, was on nice. like deadly deadly wives i think it was called or something like that but yeah, yeah she what, was the uh, bullshit or not reenactment one of my co-workers at navistar his his best friend was on uh the film crew for i didn't know i was pregnant and they would, do, <laughs> they, would they would have to do like the dramatic like reenactment stuff and like he said one of them uh, like they went, to, they went, they went to the bathroom, and she like the kid popped out. So they like threw a doll like in the toilet, and were like filming it. <laughs> toilet baby, yeah. Like, oh I, man, it, you know that. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but I do work on a television show. I completely believe that. My <laughs> yeah. wife, he, he texted a picture of it, and like it was just so funny. Yeah. She was watching one episode one day and I have, I get gout occasionally and they had me on this gout medicine called Colchicine, which apparently if you overdose on it will kill you. And it's like super hard for them to trace it. It doesn't pop up in like a toxicology thing. So I'm watching this episode with my wife and they convicted the wife of murdering the husband using Colchicine. And I just looked at her. I'm like, (laughs) I stopped taking do you take that daily or uh, mine was for like, if I had a flare, I would take one every four hours until the flare went away. So you I don't discovered... just like naproxen the crap out of it or any of that stuff? No, anti-inflammatories, they don't seem to help that much. Uh, it's like the most excruciating pain ever. Yeah, Oddly I've enough, the thing that I found that helps my gout the most is smoking cigarettes. Do you, wanna, people... you, you want me to become your like most amazing 
man crush hero you've ever heard? More so than already? Absolutely. Yeah. So I had a gout flare up one time and then I went skiing, put my foot in a ski boot, strapped that ski boot onto my gout foot and went skiing. <laughs> Imagine the tears rolling down your face when you put, oh my God. I mean, normal ski boots suck, but with a, a messed up big toe, imagine that stuff. I did that. Yeah. Whatever. For the listeners like a who, Tuesday. who aren't familiar with the level of pain that gout is, somehow in the world of physics and science, even looking at your toe causes it to hurt. Like, imagine something that if a, a bed sheet were to touch you, you would wince and cry. Hmm. Yep. It's that bad. I described it one once. Foot out. It, it feels like somebody cuts your foot open on the side, packs it full of broken glass and sews it back up and makes you walk. And some like salt. And some salt. Yeah. That's a, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. But it's way worse than giving birth. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> and I, I see a rheumatologist and everything. I have two doctors for it and neither one of wow. them can explain, but. I quit smoking like four or five years ago and it got exponentially worse. Like I was having a flare every other week and Whoa. no matter what, no matter what I ate, how much water I drank, it didn't matter. And I was like, you know what? For science, I'm just going to start smoking again. Yep. And for and science, now I'm, for science. And now I'm down to one flare a year, maybe yeah. two. I'm, I'm a year and a half out. Yeah. It sucks. I don't know. But you also, I mean, if you think about it, smoking is a vasoconstrictor. And so you, it, it might have to do with blood flow. It has to do with, you know, you, you have this uric acid in your blood and it becomes these crystals and urea crystals, blah, 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 blah. So it could have yeah. something to do with, with that, really. With blood flow, maybe maybe the nicotine adheres to it and helps you pass it. I don't know. Or, or just stops the, you know, because it is a vasoconstrictor. So it like closes your blood vessels a little bit. That's why you get colder you get like cold hands in the winter if you're if you're smoking that kind of thing, but uh, it yeah it could just be something weirdly similar to that. I I'm not a doctor, but I did say at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So maybe, yeah, maybe my, you should maybe you should try selling that to the like cigarette marketing people for <laughs> absolutely. Gout, gout relief. <laughs> I smoke. Well, I mean, look at the old stuff from the fifties, man. Like it it helps your digestion. It 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 makes you. Women love the smell, like all this crap they used to say about cigarettes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Women do not love the smell. Trust me. I've I've learned that. Yeah, <laughs> they do not. My wife hates it, but she would rather her husband stink and smoke, which I do enjoy smoking. So it's kind of like whatever, but it is expensive here. It's like ten bucks a pack. But she said she would rather I smoke than see me in pain, like literally every day. And it's she's just, a keeper. Yeah. I like to, it got to the point where I kept a pair of crutches by the front door so I could Oof. go to work on, on crutches. Wow. And yeah. It's, it's so ass. that's just like in your toes or it can, it can, well, it can go, it can actually like exit your skin. Like hmm. you can, you can get this also like it's a, it's a terrible condition, but generally it starts like big toes, like one okay. and then goes to like maybe the other side and then more toes. And like, it can be in your knees and your elbows yeah. Joints and attacks yeah. especially, but it can it can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes get heel spurs and yeah. like I that that's usually when I just have to like swap out my 
insoles in my boots that yeah. usually gets it to go that's, away but that sounds terrible yeah yeah poor yeah. thing yeah. it's a it's a it's a concentration <laughs> of acid yeah. in your blood that crystallizes and so the crystals can settle in any joint in the body um mm. most of the time it manifests in your toes because you stand and your blood okay. pools in your feet um i've had it in my ankles my knees my hands before um, the knees is weird. It, the knees isn't as painful, but it's more annoying because it feels like sand in your joint. Okay. It's like one thing that, that's working for us is not in the wiener. Yep. Oh. No joints in your wiener. No joints in your wiener. Okay. Yeah. It's just one yep. big tube. <laughs> <laughs> meat tube. Good thing one this huge, is a one huge happy... meat tube. <laughs> of course. Uh, aren't they all? Good thing this is the bonus. No, episode. they're not all. What? Yeah, good thing this is the bonus Ryan's birthday episode. Yes, so. the bonus episode. Yeah. I might try and put those fucked up intros in just so the listeners can hear all three messed up intros that were different. And then <laughs> the one that worked was the one I was like, fuck it, no intro. <laughs> Let's just go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chrome is crucial on Zencaster, apparently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and in fifty one sixty. Yeah, yep. I've got some of that actually. I haven't played with yep. it yet. Most stainless as well. Yeah, yep. Need a lot of chrome, like thirteen percent. I'm least. a big fan of ABL. I like yeah. ABL, and it's Me cheap. Too. You know why? Why it's cheap? Yep. No why? Uh, Kyle seems to. Do you know Kyle? Yeah, it's uh, what they use in all the razor blades. That's exactly right. It's oh. just so popular. Yeah. And it's they... one of the most studied steels in the world. It was it's the, got, the OG It's got so many studies right? on it. And like, there's, there's, no. There no. are physics papers of what makes steel dull. And it's th- that paper was written about AEBL. Interesting. That, that paper was talking about it's just micro fragmentation at the edge it's not rolling like you'd think or whatever it's just like things chip off the edge and then you get a a dull edge and it's because places like gillette or whatever had a lot of money in keeping a sharp ass razor blade at least for a while until they sell another one yeah Yeah. interesting 15 bucks a cartridge or whatever yeah it's crazy how expensive those cartridges are well i mean yeah if you do the 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 new stuff the, the like the you know, the four banger blade things. If you go old school, like straight razor or not straight razor, but the, the safety razor, mm-hmm. very inexpensive. I yeah. use a safety razor. I mean, I, you know, just for like here and here, but mm. it's cheap as hell. It's like five bucks for a five pack of the safety razor thing. It lasts forever. Yeah. That's one thing I like about not having to shave. Yeah. I just do around the bottom of the, the beard and the cheeks mm-hmm. and then, I, now that I'm older, I have to be cognizant of the hair on my ears. Like every once in a while, I'll have like a, a huge one sticking off. I'm like, I tell my wife, I'm like, couldn't you have told me this? It's like, it's yeah. like this long. I have no there, idea there are how other like places as well. Yeah. <laughs> I have no I idea how like one day there's like no hair and the next day it's like an inch and a half long. I have no yeah. idea how that happens. They, they curl up and then spring yeah. out. I had an eyebrow hair the other day that was like hitting my eyelashes. And it was driving me nuts. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I went and looked in the mirror. That sucker was like two inches long. I'm like, I'm an old yeah. man. Yeah. 
Preach, brother. Bush, preach. Bushy eyebrows. Getting ridiculous. So do you have any other questions for Ben here, Ryan? I could I could ask Ben questions all day long. <laughs> as much as much as our listeners are probably loving the eyebrow talk. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably used to it by now. Whenever Noah's not on the show, Ryan is known for his tangents, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But no, we could wrap this up. It's getting late yeah. here. But I appreciate you coming on, Ben. This has been great. <laughs> sure for uh, for us anyways <laughs> i don't know if you had a what, good time but what's no, one of course your, absolutely what's one of your favorite uh memories on forged a fire is, is there anything that kind of like stands out that the most of the listeners might not know about or well there's a couple things you know uh when i compete on fortune fire it's it's crazy like it's it's ridiculous um after this, so this, this coming season and stuff, um, after all of it, I will have competed on the show 13 times total. Damn. And, you know, you, you would think, looking at it from the outside, that you'd be like an American gladiator just walking in like, I'm going to rock this, rock. But it's it's not. It's, it's, it's the same exact thing every time I come in. I'm nervous. I want to know what the challenge is. I want to know what the steel I can use is. I want to understand what the weapon is. And then and then I, I just sit in my head and I, I think, I think, I think, how am I going to do this? I'm, I, I'm, I try to make all the mistakes in my head before I pick up a hammer. And I'm just trying to think, 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 think. And I'm, and I'm nervous because I know, like, before this, before this season, I competed nine times. And, and that's all out there on the, you know, you can, you can watch it. And I'm, I, I'm nine and zero, oh, right? So people are like, "Well, you're you you've won so many, the pressure has to be, you know, non-existent." And it's actually utterly the opposite. Right? I'm just I'm known as the undefeated Fortune Fire champion. When that name goes away, when that title goes away, what am I? Just the most guy do things guy. Like it's, it's ridiculous. So it's, it's very stressful. And I, uh, I, I, it was an agreement I came with, came to with my wife early on that when I'm competing the next day, the night before I need me time. I need absolute concentration. I need to sit and think and do any kind of research I can do and figure it all out. And, I can't be distracted. And the first time that she was with me when I was competing, we had Alden. He was, I don't know, like eight months old or something. And I had to get a babysitter, like a night babysitter, because I couldn't wake up and, and help him in the middle of the night like I usually do. I needed to focus on this competition thing. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous, right? It's just a TV show. It's just whatever. But it means that much to me that I just needed to super concentrate on it. And I think that that's, I guess, something that no one would know unless I told them. Um, and then aside from that, I think one of the greatest things from my role as a judge on the show is just to witness so much creativity and so much ingenuity 
on the on the daily like you know uh, you see us on um tv we're always sitting at the table mm. and in a five-hour round or three-hour round we get breaks we get to get up and go get some water coffee whatever and then come back and, and watch again but i like to stay and watch i'll, I'll stand there I'll, I'll go i'll walk as close as i can and, and watch what people are doing because i in my mind i have a front row seat to my favorite TV show. And I get to just go up and see what's going on. And it's just so much fun. So I, I think those are, you know, in, in a nutshell, that's my experience on the show. It's just, it, it's my favorite job I've ever had. That, that mindset you talk about, about like uh, being undefeated and how you're still nervous every time and stuff. That's, um, that's why you're the goat. That's the championship mindset. You know, like, uh, we talked about MMA earlier, UFC fighters, champions, they have that same mindset. Like, And as soon as they lose that mindset is when they fall off and they lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't put, I, not, me speaking, I've never been on a fucking TV show. But I, I wouldn't put so much weight into win or lose because you've already established yourself as the GOAT. Nobody's going to beat your record. You know, how is it? It would be impossible for anybody else unless the show goes for another 15 years. I don't know. I mean, Jesse Who is pretty close, right? He's, what, 8 now or something like that? Or 7 or no? I don't remember. 6? He's he's close. He's close. But, but yeah. I mean, it is its its own thing. And even if somebody does beat my record, I'm still proud of my record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you should be. And I bet it's cool from your perspective, too. Everybody, most of us are self-taught or partially self-taught. And so we develop our own little nuances and how we do stuff. So it must be cool for you to be able to witness hundreds of Smiths come through and be Mm -hmm. able to spot, like, even the way they hold their hammer or how they draw something out or, you know, how they quench. Like, if they just stick it in and hold it or if they bounce it up and down, swirl it around, whatever they do individually. Um, it must be cool. Like every so often, you must see somebody do something and go, "Huh, I wonder why he does that." There was one guy. I mean, there's a lot of things, but this one pops to my mind right away. One guy said, "Hey, can I bring a packet of salt onto this on the floor?" And the producers are like, "Uh, yeah, sure, whatever." So he does, and he. Pulls his blade out as he's going for the crunchy. Pulls his blade out, pours the salt on, puts it back in. I ask him later, I'm like, dude, what's with the salt? He goes, well, I'm colorblind. I can't see temperature. But salt melts at 1,480 degrees Fahrenheit. When that melts, I'm, I know I'm really close to a quench. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Interesting. Right? Yeah. I mean, 1480 to 1500, you know, depending on the alloy, if you're ADCRV2, maybe 1525. But you're right there, man. Like, it's it's better than a magnet because you don't want to stick a magnet into your forge. And by the time you pull it out of the forge, it's descending. And that, that's a different temperature than ascending Curie temperature, blah, blah, whatever. But to watch the salt, it's like a temple stick, you know? It, it's... It's a, just an, a visual representation of the temperature. And this guy just came in and was like, this is, you know, this is how I do it because I'm colorblind and I don't want to feel like 
I have to lose because of that little thing. Like, yeah, when when he's developed such an easy way to yeah. get around it, it's no big yeah, deal yeah. for him now. He just little table salt. It's, it's on set now all the time. Right next to the flux is a big old thing of salt. You can use salt anytime you want. Huh? It's awesome. That's interesting because I would have thought it would have a similar problem for the like forging steps too, not being able to kind of see how hot it is. But I guess well, I mean. You know, if, if it's if it looks the same as the forge, it's as hot as it's going to get. Okay. So hit it. You know, they can see shade, yeah. right? They can they can throw shade if they want. Um, but yeah, it, it's just the difference between red and yellow. That's more difficult. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Super cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I know the the like Air Force and the. Uh, the drug DEA agents, they used to like actively recruit colorblind people because they would fly over cornfields and they could point out the marijuana fields inside the the cornfield <laughs> because it was like the shade of green was completely different to a yeah. colorblind person. But like somebody that could see the colors, like couldn't differentiate the greens as easily. Isn't that a thing? Interesting. So, we all have well, value, even the colorblind. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they're people too. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> That'll be the title of this episode. Colorblind <laughs> people are people too. <laughs> My nice. best friend Steve Malloy is colorblind. He's been since I was a kid, and yeah, he would come out and be like, "Tell me about my socks." I'm like, "Close enough, dude. You're good. Let's go." They're socks. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, very cool. But. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you both coming on. Yeah. This has been fun. Glad it all worked out. Yeah. Yep. This has been fun. Obviously, you're both welcome back on anytime you want. So just hopefully you have some usable copy (laughs) in there somewhere. I think this whole thing will be usable. As long as the files download after we stop recording, we'll be good to go. Yeah. So good because you said you were bad at editing. So that would be difficult. I I can piece things together, but as far as like, like chopping into an audio file and changing like speed. And uh, yeah, that's beyond me for now. So <laughs> Excellent. send yeah. it over to me if you need that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning on the fly here. So yeah. all right, fellas. Cool. Well, this Thanks, has been a lot man. of fun. Good to meet y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Too. I'll, yeah. I'll actually play the outro music. So we'll. Thanks guys. Ben, Bye. you're a legend. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>